Last week on Ghost Hampton, Lyle and Silk were immediate hits on TV. The team must now return to Old Vic. It's padlock, so they opt for the ancient barn next door. Camera set up before a huge spider web a large rabbit possum threatens. Removing his sweatshirt, all see his deep scars. Then the roof comes alive with bats and Lyle protects Flo. The two flee to an old man's bar. I need you to work with Silk, not to need Silk. You're twice her age, for God's sake. Lionel frowns at that, then frowns at his empty glass, then beckons to Gertie. She approaches. You think I have a thing for her? Uh, More than a thing, Lyle. Any TV viewer could see your middle-aged puppy dog expression when you spoke to, even just looked at Silk. It was sad. And beneath you, I think. Gertie, I'll have another. I told you, that was last call. (laughs) Do you even know who I am? Yeah, the town drunk. That's $20. Flo produces a 20 from her purse, but Lyle takes offense. Now hold on, Gertie. It's not that late. It's a weeknight, and you don't make the rules here. Well, I want to talk to management. Lyle pushes his own 20 across the bar. Come on, Gertie. For old time's sake. Gertie eyes the 20 and wields the doer's bottle. Talk to management all you want. And there is no old time's sake. Gertie retreats with both twenties. Lyle drinks his replenished scotch like he achieved something. Flo watches Gertie. She's on the phone. Let him talk. Are you ready to talk about the seriousness of the experiences you've been having? What they mean? Lyle's noncommittal shrug irritates Flo. He sips more scotch. And the big secret thing that you're hiding. How long can you keep that hidden? Lyle, exhausted now and full of scotch, is getting woozy. Yeah. What secrets you want to talk about? Talk about my wives on air? You know more than half of married couples get divorced. Is that newsworthy? Talk about Jewel? I don't have a thing for a dead 12-year-old. Talk about Mateo Sherry, a weird priest from Malta with issues. Talk about Silk. Look at her. Who wouldn't have a thing for her? I'll bet you even... Lyle looks at Flo. Her expression is strange, like fighting back emotion. His sixth sense finally breaks through his alcohol and he sees. Of course, Flo is jealous of Silk, and Flo can read Lyle's mind. He suddenly turns sober. Flo, I'm I'm truly sorry. (sighs) Nothing to be sorry for. We're professionals. Even you. Sort of. Yeah, well, can I ask you something? Flo drinks from her glass and doesn't say no. Would you please get out of my mind? (laughs) Flo almost spits her wine. She wipes her mouth with a bar nap and forms her little smile. Since you asked so nicely... Flo's eyes abruptly go wide. Lyle swivels away from the bar. A large man has suddenly appeared. Younger than Lyle and bigger with curly red hair. He's angry. Hey, buddy. Closing time. Understand? 
Lyle and Flo are out on the sidewalk late at night in Bridgehampton. They hear the door lock from inside. Flo looks up at the bar's Neon Hardy's sign. The S is sputtering. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. I thought you saw everything coming. I was distracted. How far away from here do you live? A couple of blocks. I can walk it. I'll walk with you and help you fend off the campers. And you can explain what just happened and the more important issues we need to discuss as well. They walk towards Lyle's house. Lyle is unsettled about going to his home in the wee hours with this woman, especially knowing now that Flo is infatuated with him, despite or because of everything. Despite his obvious interest in young women, his drinking, and the disrepute everyone in town holds him in. No accounting for taste, he figures. Lyle describes to Flo his attempt to buy Hardy's bar years ago when it was facing foreclosure, and he got locked in a legal battle with the Hardy family. Lyle didn't have to pay legal fees. The Hardys did. They won their case and wound up keeping the bar, but under a mountain of debt. Old man Hardy tried raising the price of beer. It didn't help much. Then he died. So sad. That angry man was the son? Yep. He's still pissed, I guess. You should learn how to use your sixth sense. Now tell me about what you experienced in that barn. Flying bats, a possum, a spider. We all did. You saw something truly horrifying in there. It made your eyes roll back in your head. Veins were popping out of your neck. She makes Lyle stop, takes a tissue from her purse, crumples it and raises it to Lyle's ear. He jerks away. Hold still. Her tissue goes in his ear about an inch. It comes out red. Shit. What happened? You tell me, Lyle. Okay. There was a big knife, like a kitchen knife, an old one, held in a small hand, a young hand. There was a woman screaming somewhere. The scream seemed to multiply. I saw the knife slash through the air. Next I saw it, the long blade was dripping with blood, gushing from a wound. And then? Then Chad took my sweatshirt off. Well, something terrible happened in that barn. I think it's in some way connected to your friend, Jewel, and experiencing it yourself was very traumatic for you. I'm not the traumatic type. Have you seen your chest recently? That old thing? Let's walk. I'm running out of gas. Lyle gets them walking towards his house. Flo decides to lighten things up. So... This is the Hamptons. Got any celebrity neighbors? None that you'd know. Uh, There's such a thing as a celebrity unknown to the public? Oh, here there are. But no Alec Baldwin? Nope. Uh, Paul Simon? Alan Alda? Sorry. Can't help you. They walk on until they're close to Lyle's house. Flo eyes the Bridgehampton Cemetery just across the street. You live across the street from a cemetery? Seemed like a good idea at the time. House was affordable. They get closer to the cemetery and Flo stops again, looking at it with interest. A dog somewhere lets out a long howl. Your first wife is here. Belinda. I sense a tombstone. Belinda's. Do you visit her? 
I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> say you're sorry? Lyle's house is just a few doors down. They head for it. Now it's Lyle who stops abruptly. Something's wrong. The campers have all packed up and moved, leaving only trash behind. There are cop cars on the street, and one unmarked car parked facing his house. It's running, headlights trained on the front door, illuminating an eerie scene. <gasps> Lyle and Flo gasp. Lyle's entire property has been toilet papered. Good God, Lyle! How do you deal with this? Call serve pro? White toilet tissue dangles from every branch of the old tree in front, over every bush and plant. Rolls have been chucked up onto the porch roof. Lit by the headlights, it all makes a ghostly, diaphanous mass pulsing in the October night breeze. The unmarked car now throws into reverse, orients itself at Lyle, and skids to the curb where he and Flo stand. Oh, God, no. Who is this? The driver's door swings open, and a woman stalks around the front end. Charcoal gray pantsuit, white blouse, sensible shoes, straight blonde hair pulled back in a no-nonsense way. Ignoring Flo, she gets right in Lyle's face. Flo stands back and observes. Dad, really? George, it's all right. It's so not fucking all right, Dad. Did I not explain to you what your escapades are putting me through? I did rescind my motion to save the house. Because the judge said it was your only recourse. Then you went and made an utter fool of yourself with that Elvira woman on national television. Georgie! You're degrading the family name, Dad. And I get demeaning sexual harassment at work. And today, Chief Queeley threatened to take me off my first case until things die down. Know what that means? I do. A quid pro quo. You control your father, the harassment ends, and you can keep risking your life for the department. Such a deal. Dad, you have to stop your crazy ghost shit. It's gotta end. Swear to me you'll stop. On your honor. Lyle glances behind Georgie at the department's Crown Victoria. Georgie, is that the car with... With the ghost condom? Yeah, Dad, thanks to you. Any idea who? Yeah. Swanson, the desk sergeant, retiring soon, pulls 16-hour shifts, plenty of time to putz around. Chief Queely is padding his hours? Yeah, and Swanson kisses his butt. Hmm. Someone might do this harassment bullshit to impress someone above him. This isn't middle school. Someone with something to gain by making you uncomfortable. Hence the career threat wrapped in an offer. A light bulb goes off in Lyle's exhausted head. Georgie. Mind looking up official records for Old Vic for me? Ownership, deed, etc.? I do mind. That'll only encourage you to keep up the ghost bullshit. No, no. I'm out. Truly. On my honor. Now, I'm just curious. Oh, just curious, huh? Well, I could take a look. Soon as you cease and desist your ghost extravaganza. And your embarrassing TV appearances. Quid pro quo, huh? Georgie gets back in her car and Lyle follows, leaning in her window. He spots the stupid ghost condom on the floor, a shriveled insult now, and is overcome with emotion for her. He brought all this on his daughter. And that's because of you. Fighting back tears, Lyle clumsily reaches in the window and gives Georgie a hug. Please, please remember to be careful out there. Remember, Dad, quid pro quo. 
And lay off the alcohol, too. You smell like a distillery. She throws the car in gear and directs her words at Flo. Be careful with him. Georgie pulls away from the curb, and Lyle is visibly upset. Flo watches the car go, then approaches Lyle, her eyes wide. Lyle, your daughter. She was what you've been hiding. Hiding? Now I know. You're terrified something's going to happen to your daughter. Police work. You're pretty good at this, huh? There's something about your wife's grave and your fears for Georgie's well-being. Flo, it's too late to get into this stuff now. I'm dead on my feet. Then tomorrow, definitely. I'm supposed to end it all with Silk. You heard my agreement with Georgie. (laughs) That Elvira woman? No, Lyle. Georgie is the new information. She changes everything. Puts you in a new, humanizing light. I must tell Silk. I have no choice. It's my job. Lyle's gaze is drawn up to his porch. His never-renovated ranch house has a classic front porch with a lantern that's always lit and a glider-style settee. Sheaves of toilet tissue dangle from above like kudzu, waving sickeningly in the breeze even from the porch roof. The porch, Lyle's stomach turns. Behind the railing, there's a body lying on the porch, army boots facing out, one foot still jittering. Dead. 